Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia in July of 2019. It's called The Empty Boat. You may also want to check out our upcoming events from Melbourne and Hobart in November of 2019, our five-day retreat in New Zealand in April 2020, and our 10-day retreat in Italy starting in late October 2020. It's an old spiritual story. I've told it before, but I'm going to tell it with a new twist. So it's from from Zen. It's called The Empty Boat. Does anyone know it? No? Okay. All right. (laughs) So if you're on a body of water and you're in a rowboat and you see someone coming toward your rowboat and they're headed for a direct hit, So you start shouting, you start saying, hey, pal, watch out. But they don't listen to you, and they keep coming towards you. It seems that they can hear. So you start yelling louder and eventually becoming quite angry that they're about to crash right into you. Now, let's imagine that the other boat has no one in it. It's an empty boat, and it's coming toward you. You're not screaming. You're not angry. You might be a little frightened, but you're not angry. And you're not cursing. (laughs) Because the boat is empty. So the way this is told in Zen, the last few lines have to do with emptying your boat emptying your boat of your own somebodiness that goes around and causes reactions, which we do know people like that, don't we? <laughs> so that's the, that's the usual frame on it, empty your boat. But there's another one. There's another one I just thought of while sitting here, which is there's, there's a way to see that even if there was somebody in there, in that boat, that it was still empty because people don't... It's like, forgive them for they know not what they do. People are going around asleep and on their own programming of conditioning and in their own locked-down, fiery set of desires that are usually born of fear, right? And so another way to see it is not only empty your own boat, but see see the boat is empty, even if there's someone in it foolishly about to bang into you in some way. Now that's a tough order, isn't it? It's quite tough in the moment, And sometimes you can't get there in the moment. In the moment, you are feeling angry, you are feeling frustrated, you are cursing the idiocy. Um, Sometimes it takes reflection afterward, right, to really see 
Forgive them for they know not what they do. Right? Now we're living in a time where we're confronted with, because there's so many humans on the planet, we're confronted with looking at human nature, both in all its glory, because we are privy to how much beautiful effort and love that and mercy that flows around. We're also seeing kind of the worst of humanity as well. We're, ba- we're able to see all of these news items and stories in real time, pretty much. You know, just crazy stuff going on. Wow, you know. And I know a lot of people who are almost in a state of constant rage, especially a lot of my friends in America. They're just in a state of anxiety and rage and frustration and bitterness and fear, you know. And it's, it's understandable, of course, but it's not very helpful. It's not helpful for themselves. You know, it's debilitating and it can make you sick to carry on in that mind state for a very long time. Um, it's also not helpful for any kind of movement because any kind of movement forward is going to have to be born of understanding and of conversation and of meeting, you know, heart to heart. And maybe in many cases that's not going to be possible But that would be the only chance, right? That would be the only chance, the only opportunity, as it has always been. As all of the great um, movements forward in our history, in social understanding and and in um, all of the different rights movements, right? They've been born because more and more people their hearts turned, their hearts turned into openness on a given subject. So they moved from understanding, from love, from conversation, from compassion, right? You know, I grew up in the time of Lots of activist movements, one of which was the civil rights movement in America. When I started going to school, our schools were segregated. I remember, I remember the day an African-American girl got sent to our school and was in my class. I remember the day, I was, I think, in the sixth grade. Um, It was so different. It was like just so different that we had a a black girl in our class. Um, And what happened during that civil rights movement was that what had been a system that had been in place a very long time and that no one really questioned, right? People just didn't question it. It just was what it was, just how it was, you know? And... As the images started appearing in our, on our television news 
of black people and also the white people who marched with them being hosed with fire hoses or being beaten just for sitting at a lunch counter and not reacting back, not turning violent against their oppressors. As these images began to play, it transformed the country's view and and brought the whole subject into every living room, even though there was still a lot of pushback and a lot of battle, but the tide turned. And, it, you know, it's like Gandhi used to say, um, he wanted the he wanted the British to quit India, and he wanted them to quit as friends, right? Because if you approach someone and you treat them like they're despicable, they're not going to listen to you, right? They're going to just react. So the spin on this story is. Believe it or not, people are doing their best. It may not look so great <laughs> in many cases to, to your own standards. But if you could walk in their shoes for a few hours, you might realize that they're actually being kind of heroic given what they're working with. Right? Sometimes you see that. You see they're doing the absolute best. And that's another way of seeing the boat is empty, right? That they're a conditioned creature. A lot of times you, you attribute some sort of de- deliberation or intentionality where you really shouldn't. There, there may be, and there are, I think, quite a few sociopathic-type characters who not only don't feel empathy, but perhaps take pleasure in causing pain. And it's fair enough to stop those people in their tracks and to lock them up. I have no problem with that. If you can't be in society without harming others, then you don't get to be in society. Even then, though, you might view that person as a kind of um, like a rabid dog or something, you know. You, you, you just see it as a dangerous creature, right? Somehow genetics make those, right? Somehow that occurs in nature. So again, another way to see it as impersonal, and to take action as needed, but to take it with an impersonal kind of clarity. (laughs) All right, that's what came to say today on our rainy day. Um, what comes to mind is, as you're speaking is um, uh, the compassion, but also what can we do 
um, as an example for people that are less privileged than we are. And I think I've told you um, now about 13 years ago, um, my family and I took a 19-year-old young woman into our home. Um, a what kind of woman? Young? A 19-year-old uh-huh. young, yeah. woman. young woman. She had been in foster care for a number of years, had lived on her own for a few years, but was very clearly struggling. And um, she came to me for some sessions and we ended up taking her into our home. And when I... She asked for some advice. We, we yeah, anyway, long story. Um, but what I found over and over is, I mean, I had struggles with her. She was depressed. I would drag her out of her bed to take her for walks because otherwise she wouldn't come. Um, but I think it was our whole family showing how it can be done, how you can live that actually changed her life around. And she's now married, she's got a daughter, she's doing really well. Um, but there's that as well, is is how can we be an example? How can we show people this is this is possible? How can you come from love? Yes, well, I mean, you did that. You, mm. you proved yeah. that that's a very effective method. Yeah. Is to be it the, was intense. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And took a lot of patience for you on your part, no doubt. Yeah, it's to it's to be that example in your like even just sharing that story, you know, um, flows out to all of our hearts and all of the people who are gonna hear this conversation. Um, and basically is a reminder that, you know, simple connections like that, you know, in a, a person in, within a family situation that transforms this person's life just by being immersed in another way of being. It takes a little getting used to. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the stories she told me over time of, of how she had grown up were so radically different from, yes. from what I knew. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sure. Mm. Yeah. A lot of this is just changing habits, of course, habits of mind and, ha- and ways of being and, and feeling safe, you know. If you've, if you've grown up in circumstances where you just never feel safe or relaxed and suddenly you're in this other... It takes a little while to really understand that this is true. This is, I can actually rest here. These people are kind and loving and, you know, it's an adjustment. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that, uh, well, that, that you did that and that she's doing so well. And, yeah. I suppose one could also say, though, even in cases, and of course we hear about them, where a foster child is taken in, and but because of the the damage done in earlier times, they never quite can fly, you know. <clears throat> but I would still say that whatever moments of relief or kindness or just you know just moments of safety mm-hmm. that that person got to experience, that's a boon. That's a boon that they wouldn't have otherwise had. And, and of course, in the offering of it, 
one always has to assume that you don't know how it's going to play out. Absolutely, we had no idea. Yeah, no, the offering was yeah. pure in terms yeah. of just... Yeah. The, 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 I saw a will to live and a drive in her to, for, to find that love inside herself. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have dared to take it on. Right, yeah. right. What's astonishing to me sometimes is people who, who do take on really hard cases... <clears throat> yeah, and um, I knew of a case <clears throat> back in Oregon. My godchildren were going to a private school there, a really good school, and there was a kid there who had been adopted from Cambodia, but he was probably about four or five when they were adopted him, and he was quite troubled. Like, he He's adopted into a quite wealthy family, but he was always sort of hiding food in the drawers of his room, you know. And um, But anyway, he went to the school. Um, he did really well, a really bright kid. Um, <clears throat> he was in this lovely, fabulous school for years. But when he was 17, he hung himself. But even though that's tragic and it indicates something that was deeply broken at an early age, I still felt at least he experienced, I think he was 17 when he did this, at least he experienced love for whatever time he had here on the earth, you know. Um, And that's another good way to see this kind of thing in terms of, it's a way I see things now very much so in our time, that we have no guarantees of time now. <laughs> and so to really just be grateful for whatever we're getting as a life and whatever everybody else is getting as a life. Um, you know, it's like Leonard's great, great song, May Everyone Live and May Everyone Die. <laughs> Hello, my love, and my love, goodbye. <laughs> It's a sort of complex question, this one, because if I think about um, the empty boat, I can do that for most things, for most things, you know, um, eventually, mm-hmm. given space and time, yeah. eventually yeah. come back, well, how much, you know, how, how much of a choice did they really have given who they are, blah, blah, sure. blah, blah. Or even with myself, how much of a choice did I really have given, you know, yeah. Uh, but then I think of um, the bigger forces at work in the world, you know, the Murdochs and the uh, multinational companies, BHP, BP, Shell, um, and the high executives that are earning mega millions at the cost of many others. Um, you know, the creating working conditions that are just hideous for so many millions of people on the planet. And um, if I go, I guess it's the question about the nature of what an empty boat is because if I go, it's, oh, they can't really help that. Do you know what I mean? It kind of puts me to sleep a little bit. 
there's a sleepiness involved with that. If I go the other way, there's an anger that comes. But then part of me is like, is it the nature of an empty boat to be angry sometimes? You know what I mean? Like, what, like that's, it, it seems like anger is an appropriate response. And would it be wrong to just go, well, this, I can't help this being me, is going to be angry about that situation. Do you know what I'm saying? Is I that, do, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I like that you said that it's mostly, yeah. um, you know, that yeah, mostly is sort of good enough, honestly. Yeah. It, there may be times when you're angry about something and you stay angry about it. Yes. <laughs> For <laughs> years you, in some cases. Yeah, yes. so like yeah. every time you think about it, you get angry. But I would, I would also, gonna, I'm going to just put one more mm possibility in there because basically it's about being angry at human nature that the that the greed and the fear and the oblivion and the me first and the selfishness right it's this is not new right this is not a new thing this has been around a long time since we've been around in fact our particular form of homo sapiens now the, the theory is that we killed off the other humanoid types. We did away with them, the Neanderthals and the others, right? We're, we're kind of a tough bunch. And with a lot of stuff encoded that is selfishly driven, and we know it in ourselves, but we have been so privileged. We have been, we have just, we are the lotus eaters of the planet. We have had the best. I was talking to my friend Peter Russell yesterday on the phone, and he was saying, which I loved, that he said it flat out. He said, we hit the best time slot in history. <laughs> I think it's probably true. Right, we had a really we had a really good one. It may not have the most happy ending, but but if, but in terms of like years of privilege and wealth and access to everything, every wonderful thing, and the world at our fingertips now, and and um, anything you wanted to study, you could just go anywhere you wanted to go to study it. We had the money to do it as well, and. On and on, you know, just privilege like crazy. You know, never a day that we thought, am I not going to have food today? Unless we were deciding to fast on some special green drink. Um, you know. <laughs> so with all of this privilege and all of this ease of life, we still have moments of depravity. I do. <laughs> With all that privilege, I have moments of craziness. I have moments of me first. I have moments of greed, anger, hatred. Right? Moments. So we have to also consider, well, what if one was much less privileged in various ways? One of those ways might be that you were reared by people who were also locked down, closed down, and you're a little kid, a little child who got no love, 
and perhaps was beaten or forced into various ways of being that were not really soft on your on your little self and you turned into a little mini tyrant yourself <laughs> right <laughs> and then you grew up to be a tyrant or you grew up to be some just some greedy seemingly just greedy awful person but who's driven by a, a hole in themselves that can never get filled a hungry ghost realm that they live in a constant proving a constant feeling unloved unless I get all this stuff so even though it's painful to watch those people tromping around the world and making a mess and 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 actually doing things that in fact are killing if not directly some of them are actually killing things killing beings directly <clears throat> with the weapons that they're producing or the drones that they're sending from thousands of miles away but a lot of people are indirectly because they're polluting they're indirectly killing a lot of people and it's very hard and painful to watch that level of ignorance writ large in its effects and naturally a kind of righteous anger arises but I, again I think it's possible and I do hold it this way almost always to see it from a much bigger picture take many steps out you know in my essay there's a whole section about the great filter right whereby we can look at the possibility just the possibility which some of the astrophysicists are now proposing or not just now they've been proposing it for a while and some of the great biologists um, have proposed this that <clears throat> um, the reason we don't hear from any other uh, planets, creatures despite the overwhelming odds the crazy, crazy, crazy high odds that there should be life on other planets and that's based on just counting the numbers of planets that are in proximity to this, their suns in a similar proximity as ours and just counting those there's just billions of billions and billions and that's just what we can what our our astrophysicists understand as the size of the universe which keeps ex expanding in their knowledge because <laughs> they keep realizing no it's bigger it's bigger it's bigger it's bigger maybe it's infinite that makes more sense to me and if it were if infinite, then the number is even far higher. It's an infinite number. When you think about that and you think, we haven't heard from anybody, well, their proposal is that it's because they wiped themselves out when they got to this level of development. That's the, that's the theory. It's called the great filter. They filtered themselves out. So there may be many of them on the way there, at some primitive stage of development, and there may be, who knows, how many that ended their scene. So if we looked at it that way, if we looked at it that way, if we, if we took that on as a possibility, which I do take it on as a possibility, 
then it's like there's an almost, I hate to use the word destiny because I don't believe in predestiny, but it's almost like it just rolled out exactly like it was expected to roll out. Mm-hmm. And that the, the, the selfishness and the greed and the, all of that, it, it has a deleterious effect. And it isn't sustainable for life in the long run. However... It's been a pretty beautiful bloom also. And maybe that's part of why it's beautiful, that it it kills itself off, you know. Um, So it's good to keep all of it in the picture, and it's human enough to have reactions to destruction and to misery that is caused it's certainly a human thing to feel very sad and mad about that it's just it, t- it takes another part of your of your mind to override it and to to get the bigger picture and to alleviate your own anger and suffering in that anger And this is something, I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect at doing this. It's just the way I lean. Yeah, that's, yeah. I love the great filter. I love that concept. And it's interesting just kind of going with you on the journey. I could kind of go there Mm -hmm. and feel the contraction of that. I mean, yeah, as you say, I don't want to judge I don't really want to judge the anger either, but it's also good to have a one foot in it and one foot out of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, instead of yes. both feet in it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which I can get, you know, I can get caught in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I, I you know, I watch people who are acting and some of them are acting uh, like, you know, who are activists, and they, some are very enraged. I've just watched it over so many years, hanging out with activists over the many, many years, and I know that it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. (laughs) It's not sustainable. That's not the only problem, but that is a problem with that being the motivating factor. Often they they come to a point um, where they they realize they cannot maintain it or they get sick. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think I've got a a question about this sort of impersonalness, you know. when you were telling the story about the boat, you know, my mind was like, why don't you just move the boat out of the way that you're in? Like, you know, instead of, you know, if a boat was coming towards me, yeah. maybe why don't you sure. just move? Yeah, yeah. You know, and <laughs> instead of like, well, hey, you know. <laughs> you move, not me. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
Well, let's assume that the one was going very slow and the other was going fast. I was, was making up, so this was a ship, you yeah. know, a big, massive ship. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that sort of emphasis on where you're going. But also what you said about not taking it personally, like as soon as you realise there's no one driving the boat, then there's no one intentionally trying to harm you. And... Um, when I left the house, actually, my sister said a very similar thing to me about that dog. Oh, it's not even, it's her dog. And I really love the dog and oh. I look after it during the day and it's all over me, it follows me around, sleeps in bed with me. Oh. And she comes home and it abandons me. It doesn't even look at me. It's like I don't exist. And I'm like, what happened? And I'm like, I'm not the alpha female in the house. I have no place. And are you the one who feeds her? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. just... You know, Sam bonded and Sam's like, don't take it personally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what I realised is... Probably uh, if, if there was no one around and you were feeding her for a few yeah. days, her allegiance no, no. might shift. No, I no? had her for three weeks. Really? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sam what? came back in. I was dropped. <laughs> <laughs> But I realised that Sam's like, don't take it personally, blah, blah, And I was like, okay. But I want to take it personally because when Sam's gone and the dog's following me, I want to know that the dog loves me. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> loves you above all, all else, everybody else. <laughs> I'm number one. Yeah. So <laughs> if I don't take his rejection personally, yes. I can't take his love personally either. <laughs> I don't want to be in this kind of zen, impersonal, everything's just happening. <laughs> right. Then I don't get the good. You know what I mean? Right, of course. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, one other slight frame is that <laughs> it's possible for dogs to love more than one human. <laughs> but there's an order. They do love someone Yeah, well, that, that might have to be what you accept about the, about the creature. I'm, I'm basically going to get my own dog. <laughs> There you go. None of this sharing. <laughs> and your own dog better not love anybody else. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I get it. And I think it applies in lots of our ways. You know, there mm. is a way in which even with best friends mm. who can just get a little jealous because mm. you might have a good close other friend and, you know, it's amazing, or siblings and, uh, you know, just... But uh, also how much juice you get from those little things and yeah. if you actually realise people are just acting because of their own stuff, even if it's nice yes. a lot of the times, like things that I think, oh, this person's doing something really special for me and then I find out whilst it's a kindness or a specialness, it's really about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that at what point, so there's that level, but at what point is there intentionality? So if you're going to say that I'm not going to put intentionality on someone because they're ignorant, at what point, where does intentionality fit in? You know, where, where can you break through, I'm just doing it because of unconscious reasons? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah where, where does the piece of intentionality become? Yeah. Like more... Um, <clears throat> Like a real thing and not mm -hmm. just an acting from, you know, an unconscious script. Mm -hmm. So we can say, you know, Trump's acting from an unconscious script, is doing that, but at what point, even in the good, like mm -hmm. where do we get beyond the, that to mm -hmm. true intentionality and true acting mm -hmm. in the world? Mm -hmm. you know? 
I mean, I do notice that when one of the other torments that we might have is the way that we expect someone who we perceive to have a lot of awareness and self-awareness and a lot of consciousness, you could say, when they kind of slip or they make a mess or they're unethical or dishonest in some circumstance, you know, there's a kind of a little bit of a thing because you're dealing with your own expectations about them. And, you know, and you're attributing intentionality that you feel you were ha- had a right to attribute because they were conscious in other ways, a lot of other ways perhaps, right? But they might be asleep in one category and they might consistently stay asleep in that category or they might have a kind of a spotty, like sometimes they're, consistent in various ways and other times they're not consistent and so just as we are ourselves right like sometimes I surprise myself um you know with I refer to this particular um situation as (laughs) crazy lady made that plan so sometimes (laughs) crazy lady is operating <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I see it in hindsight <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know so in and, and and you do ask well what was going on what how did that happen you know um, it's I mean it's not to say that you you go around and give everybody a pass all the time you know um, you know, the person who's shaking their kid in the grocery store or whatever. It's not as if you just think, oh, well, you know, it's an empty boat, really. You know, um, of course one has human reactions to these circumstances. And there may be certain circumstances where you can actually intervene and do something that would be helpful or would stop the, the abuse. But uh, mostly not. Mostly not. You know, so then what are we going to do? Then we're left with having to over and over again accommodate human nature, how it's playing out, whether it's on its brutal side or its holy side, right? It's like we're constantly just saying, okay, up there it is again. There's human nature, people sacrificing themselves, their actual lives for other people, right? Amazing. That is really amazing. You know, strangers. You know? Um, And others who are so, even though they have everything and are just rolling in wealth and stuff and everything and have not the most, not even one generous moment in their hearts, right? And there it is. You know, there's your range. And as you say that, what occurs to me is this range is going on within the one person all the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, you you can have that condition, kind of no one's in the boat because you're not really conscious and you can be also acting consciously like the, it's not an either or. It's right. not like all behaviours. Yeah. Yes. No, it's a range for sure. It's a range within yes. yourself and within others. So seeking that aspect that is real or intentional or true and then also being able to go, okay, well, there's yeah. that layer yeah. Yeah. Where, where it's not. Yeah, and I think in terms of the word intentionality, um, 
I think for, my, for myself, the way that I relate to that is keeping the channel as clear as I can, right? Having the internal channel very open and clear and relaxed. Then the decisions and the impulses that come through that channel or that are going to be enacted, they have a greater clarity, you know? And I could say those were like higher intentions. Those were intentions born of this greater clarity. But sometimes I can feel myself operating on conditioned program, right? And which is most of the time okay. It doesn't matter mostly. But occasionally the conditioned program I know is, you know, crazy lady who's gotten her hand in it. (laughs) So um, to... To also allow, like I'm saying, um, most people are just sleepwalking through. And they're dealing with whatever conditioning they happen to get. They They haven't actually even tried to step out of that conditioning, whether even if it was just mundane, ordinary stuff, right? And I think what's beautiful is even though... We can say most people are most sleepwalking through. They're still capable of beautiful intentional acts yes, and absolutely. moments yes, and absolutely. exchanges, yes. even in the midst of that. That's and then just because the sleepwalking is there doesn't mean that's not true and real right. and a real exchange. I think that's yeah. what's important for me to kind of see that it can be both and all. You yes, know? yes, um, absolutely. That, yeah. that, I mean, only the hardest of hearts mm. would not be susceptible Mm. to at least moments of love or tenderness, you know. And how sad for them. Exactly, Mm. yes. Mm. And, you know, and another thing I think about a lot in terms of not only the the amount of life that we have and and the appreciation in this amount of life we have left, but the range on which we're living. That's an interesting part too, just the to really feel a really big range of life. So how that plays out for me, how, how that is for me, is it, someone showed me a picture the other day of her niece, and she said, she's very beautiful, but she's sad. She she's often looks sad, and she said, showed me a picture, and sure enough, she, the, the niece looked sad in the picture. And, but to me, it looked beautiful, her sadness looked really beautiful to me. And I said to my friend, I'm a little sad. (laughs) I get it. I get that she's that way. I'm a little sad living in this world. So I really feel like the range I live on is definitely has sadness and also has a lot of joy. I am very lucky in that way. I have a lot of joy, a lot of wonderful people and lovely things. And I live in this beautiful place in this gorgeous area. And, um, you know, I feel very lucky and I notice all those lovely things. And I also feel sad. But for me, that's a richness. I wouldn't take that away. I wouldn't give that up if I could. I wouldn't. Because I feel it also... It keeps the empathy strong, and I understand sadness. I don't mind. And I don't mind being around someone who's a bit sad either. 
Yeah, I was thinking on the way here, actually, you know, depressions or sadnesses and things, you know, anger, they afford, they're like an affordance for other things to occur, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they have their own unique contribution. Yes, right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, to feel this kind of incredible range of human experience of what it is to be here, what it is to feel all of this and love and lose. And years ago I was in London having Dharma Dialogues and I was at my friend's house and we were watching this quite interesting program of of writers being interviewed. And one of them said, all great literature has death as its primary story. And if you think about it, it's true, right? Like, it's just always there in the, in the great stories of life. So how can you not be a little sad about that? <laughs> yeah. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session or make either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation to help with the production costs. Assuming you like these podcasts, we would also appreciate a review wherever you're getting yours. Till next time. <laughs>